0: Okay, so there is this concept of frontlining whatever abilities you're attempting to improve earlier on in the day and to conduct them in a environment of optical flow so you're more capable of integrating the left and right hemisphere. So for example, I'm starting this routine where I wake up in the morning and I begin speaking right away. Not only that, but I'm also speaking while standing up and moving around naturally as if I were on stage or whatever it may be. Because there is an element of optical flow, I've noticed that is advantageous to speaking. When I'm sitting down and I attempt to discuss things that are especially complex or uh, very detailed, I find it difficult to find the necessary words to parse everything together carefully and correctly, but... When I'm moving around, it's almost as though there's like a torsion beneath my flesh that is allowing for everything to fall into place just the way that it's meant to be. And so I have this uh, new concept called frontlining, where whatever I'm attempting to improve in my life, I'm always making it happen right at the beginning. I'm always making it happen right when I wake up, because... I find that if you do not prioritize the things that you are naturally inclined to procrastinate for the beginning of the day, that is almost impossible from my perspective to get them done. Because that is the whole problem of procrastination is that you're constantly putting off. You're constantly putting it off. But if you frontline that activity for the moment you wake up, it's a very simple solution. There's also this notion with frontlining that the activity you're engaging in, you want to consolidate the information effectively. And because you're not very uh, good at it so far, maybe you're not as good as you'd like to be, it's a little more difficult for your consciousness to hold on to that skill or ability for longer periods of um, abstinence from routine practice. And that's why the first thing you want to do is that thing moment you wake up, the first thing you want to do is whatever you know you're going to procrastinate. It makes it very easy because there's something about human consciousness that attempts to staple things into our memory through a particular focus paid to the beginning and end of things. So it might be even better is to practice that ability at the start of your day and at the end of the day so that your memory knows how important it is to you and during the process of sleep or non-sleep rest it will play it back to you with a highlighted importance. So while there is a the notion of frontlining which is a good start quite literally you could also try to frontline it and um, I don't know rearline it by practicing the same ability right before bed. Now obviously some things are not going to be complementary to waking morning routine or right before sleep but some of the things that are include speaking exercise so long as it's not so intense that you're winding your mind up perhaps uh making it a little too restless for sleep but when that's combined with meditation it's even better so i have this strategy of engaging in whatever acts i know i will procrastinate earlier on in the day and then stapling it into my memory through an, uh, a surge in adrenaline. I learned that from Dr. Andrew Huberman, a neurologist. And through that adrenalergic impulse, there is a highlighted importance placed by your subconscious mind onto that unit of time and anything a little bit before it. So anything you're engaging throughout the day that you want your mind to remember more, do something that's going to spike your adrenaline, whatever it may be. I would recommend... Safer, more controlled domains of cold exposure, perhaps. I mean, if you want to jump on a motocross and do things you've never done before, be my guest. But if you'd like to keep your organic vessel intact as well, then cold exposure might be a good alternative to that. The idea is to utilize what we know about neurology and psychophysiology to optimize the consolidation of information throughout the day. That is of vital importance for your psychological development. I do believe that we all go through post-adolescent stages of psychological development. They may not be as evident within the brain as the earlier childlike developmental stages, but I do feel as though the reason why something like a midlife crisis is even possible is because people go through periods of transition within their personality or even desired transition later on in life that is much different from puberty or any other form of pre-adolescent psychological developmental stage and that these psychological stages of post-adolescent development inherently come with them particular activities you're going to feel bad at but more inclined to practice that you have not cultivated in the past. Based on your personality and whatever priorities have been unconsciously encoded by virtue of your environment and genome, of course there is an element of free will there. But I feel as though your reservoir of free will really depends on how good you are at timing your action with moments of alignments in your environment. You can imagine as a potentiation of willpower that really depends on how good you are at targeting which is an acquired skill set. And so by focusing on things that amplify your free will in the world around you, rather than suck it dry or distract you from the fundamental points of being alive, you have to remember there are a lot of distractions out there. And we have to avoid them through proper attention paid to whatever we do have control over. And a lot of the times it's things that we... Never want to accept that we actually have control over like our physical health and our fitness level, our mental wellness, the health of our psychological foundation, the bedrock of our psyche and how well we are dealing with pressure from our environments and converting it effectively into willpower instead of letting it rot away in atrophy and creates anti-biological patterns behind the scenes. I will discuss this more in detail later on, but there does appear to be a coupling between the private realm away from the public's prying eye and the domains of the unconscious mind, insofar as it can express itself throughout your life. Because the bottom line is, when other people are watching you're a lot more conscious of what you're doing because you don't want to give off the wrong impression. The problem with that is why is the wrong impression or why are the wrong actions being taken when nobody is watching? Well, because the unconscious mind feels that is the moment of possible decompression for itself. And so if you imagine the person as acquiring hits to their innocence from childhood, even from later on in life, a lot of of the time, it can come off in the future as a biologically incompatible urge or impulse on their part. And the only way to express that impulse without being punished for it is within the private realms. Right. So there's a subconscious private coupling in our psyche that needs to be acknowledged if we are to truly inspect the foundations of our own morality. Let me make something absolutely clear having said that. It is not an excuse for a surveillance state. Just because some people shouldn't have anything to hide doesn't mean that anybody has the right to pry into your life at a private level, into your family, into your friends, into your home. Especially if they were to disguise that power grab as a philosophy of, oh, well, if you have nothing to hide, well, isn't that convenient for corporations and government who profit off of information to have a philosophy of, oh well, if you have nothing to hide, then you wouldn't mind us seeing. So obviously you have to take into consideration the objective incentive structure of society at large before you start disintegrating the private realm. Because oftentimes people will have a abstract philosophical justification for something that's entirely greed-based. They might not even know, the people above them might not even know, but the philosophy is cloaking a self-interested agenda at times within our society and that is especially the case when powerful people begin manipulating the psychological fabric of humanity which is happening like it's always been happening the reason why it's particularly important at this point in time is because of how advanced technology has gotten and how much more comparatively easy it is for a individual citizen To begin broadcasting their own voice. Now because pretty much anyone can reach out to a wider population. And broadcast a message. The front line of psychological warfare has become a lot more relevant. Just as cyber warfare has. These are objective features of our modern society. And if we don't come to terms with them. It's going to be much more difficult to tell what's going on. Think of the uh, concepts popular in the intelligence agencies of a wilderness of mirrors whereby they can't tell the double agents apart from the real ones and they get in the circle of oh well they might be a double agent they might be a triple agent they might just be our own agent who is undergoing uh, even more covert operation of double agent and they get very confused as to what is actually happening and that's a wilderness of mirrors. You don't know where people are coming from as far as their true incentive. Everybody seems to be radicalizing in their political belief system. And there's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of hyperbole. Everybody seems to be playing a role, not being themselves. It's a wilderness of mirrors. A game of opposites. Because the realm of psychological warfare has become a lot more common to exploit in the modern era. That's where all the military pressure is being exported onto now that physical conflict is comparatively rare. And because psychological warfare is inherently disingenuous, it is for strategical purposes of power consolidation that it exists at all. The realm of cultural exchange of ideal and discussion or genuine debates has begun to atrophy and become dishonest, and the strategical vantage point of exploitation is being held above genuine consolidation of conflict and dissonance between belief systems, which is what we should be aiming for if we want any degree of cultural cohesion in the future. Coming to terms with the growing presence of psychological warfare within our society is absolutely vital to figuring out how we can counteract these forces within our own lives so that we can regain some degree of understanding of world events that is not tainted by some kind of corrupt, cloudy lens that has been thrust upon us by whatever power structures are attempting to seize control over the culture now that direct military conflict is less common. That is why I believe through understanding the order of consciousness through personality neuroscience, differential psychophysiology, that it becomes a lot easier for ordinary everyday citizens to find something that we have in common as an objective feature of reality that is nonetheless affecting, influencing our culture through its interaction with each and every one of our personalities at an individual level. Developing a structure of consciousness, because people do happen to fall into factions of personality, we can create a more fundamental structure of relatability, understanding, empathy. To treat your opposite as if they are simply another function within a larger collective is one of the most neglected features of psychological development especially nowadays people are fighting their opposite even though that opposite serves a particular role or function in the larger collective that is absolutely necessary for the whole thing to work properly we shouldn't be fighting with our opposite we should be discussing where and how we can both serve the collective and ourselves to the extent that we need nourishment we need nurturance whether it be emotional or physical. The balance between the individual and the collective, that's all very important. But to figure that out, we need to have an objective understanding of consciousness to provide order to consciousness. Because our entire culture is immersed within our consciousness. It's inescapable. The reason why that is good is because if there is any order to consciousness at all, We are capable of establishing a more fundamental node for interrelatability. It's just that they serve a different function. And some people might not know what that function is, or how other people with their personality have succeeded in the world before them. It's not about saying, oh, you're like this, you need to work here. It's about informing people objectively about where their faction of personality has succeeded in the world before to give them an idea of where they might, if they feel dislocated by the changing nature of the economy, by providing order to consciousness and informing people objectively about that order, then they can make more informed decisions that are more likely to turn out better for them. However, if we continue to fight one another within the false pretenses of a political environment that is being heavily manipulated by forces of power, now that direct military conflict is much, much more rare than it used to be back in the day, it is important that the public, as a cultural hive mind, begin to reorient themselves, adapt and evolve in order to maintain the integrity of the conversation. If that means relating to one another on the basis of a more fundamental structure within consciousness itself, in the form of personality neuroscience or differential psychophysiology, whatever it may be, As long as you bring it closer back toward our consciousness and how it interacts with our biology, then you keep it grounded in objective reality and the nature of our organic capsule, our spiritual essence, the connection between the two, how we are different from one another, how we are the same, and how those can actually be tracked back to particular neuropsychological or biological correlates. Not to command anybody to only pursue things that are complementary to their personality. No, that would be another form of authoritarian rule. I mean to inform them. The same reason why I propose that we have a more accurate understanding of epidemiology, so that everybody knows through geomagnetic biofeedback what fluctuations in our atmosphere are more likely to result in particular health conditions are more likely to result in particular hospital or psychiatric emissions you want to inform somebody of the probability something will happen and not necessarily just assume that they're unintelligent or not intelligent enough to grasp that truth one of the biggest issues with our society is that the power structures assume that the citizen base is unintelligent and incompetent and that's not necessarily the case they may just not require the same amount of resource satisfaction as you do they may just not require that much money in order to feel psychologically well they may just not require emotional economic or socio-political satisfaction at scale like you do just because somebody doesn't crave power doesn't make them unintelligent or incompetent and in order to work with the Potential of humanity, you have to assume to some extent that people are a little more competent than usual because then you provide them the opportunity to be so. And a lot of that depends on whether or not you're willing to inform them of the truth, whether or not you're willing to provide the architecture for their own self development and say, Here you go, here's the information, do with it what you please. We're not saying that you have to be a firefighter, or a police officer, or whatever it may be, just because of your personality. This is how people with your personality have succeeded before. This is how they tend to act. This is the psychophysiological and biological correlates that will give you a propensity to feel or think a certain way. Not that you're not going to be completely opposite to that, as... particular anomaly this is also possible but with an understanding of your anomalous nature you are much more well equipped to deal with it but if you think you are just weird and displaced with no information it is much more difficult to reach any degree of self-actualization or even satiation of the lower threshold in Maslow's hierarchy of needs so it's about informing the people of the most important information, not necessarily all the information. You don't need to have a full disclosure of all covert access programs and all their super advanced technology, whatever it may be. That's not what I'm proposing. The simplest information that can help people at a psychological, health-oriented level is what people need to hear. It's what need, it's what they need to read. It's what they need to see in order to inform their momentum, especially in an era where things are becoming a lot more confusing, uncertain, and difficult to parse apart.